Like, you're not going to beat anyone good. We all know that. You're fine. Whatever. Yeah, they're good. They're still, like, top 15. I mean, I, I think I had them exactly at 15 this week, but, like... Yeah, they're just, they're nothing to write home about. Yeah, you're the, the mashed potatoes of the ACC. Like, you're a good, a, a nice side dish, but you're not very exciting. It's fine. Yeah, you're, you're instant mashed potatoes. Because um, that's usually what I'm responsible for in my house. Um, you don't make the real ones? What? I know. Well, I, I mean, this is, I'm just talking like if we eat a meal at home. Like, obviously, on Thanksgiving, I'm not rolling up with instant mashed potatoes. Oh, okay. I'm not yeah. a monster. I was, I was very concerned about the situation there and, and considering calling Child Protective Services. Welcome to an ACC podcast. I'm Lauren Brownlow. Um, ACC football title game happened. I mean, it happened the way we knew it was going to happen. Clemson wins. Spoiler alert. But we already knew that was going to happen. And um, basketball, much more the story of the day, especially as there's another week of ACC play in the books. And so... Uh, because uh, there's a broken basketball team out there. Um, well, really many broken basketball teams, but this one uh, more newsworthy than others. Uh, North Carolina, I decided to bring on uh, Heels Maven Brant Wilkerson New, who was on this podcast in its early goings, actually, um, to talk about North Carolina football. And we'll touch on the Tar Heels as well a little bit in terms of their bowl game and all that good stuff. But um, it's I wanted to have Brant on um, to talk a little bit about UNC, who... Um, uh, well, they had a rough week. Now, to be fair, when you play, you know, t- multiple top 10 teams, like a lot of teams might have a rough week. Um, but I think what it is, is is we're just not used to seeing a North Carolina team, a North Carolina Roy Williams coach basketball team um, struggle. Like, I'm trying to think of a nicer way to put it. I really can't struggle um, on the offensive end as much as, as they've been struggling. And... I mean, first of all, hi, Brant. Thanks for coming on. Hello. Thanks for having me. I'm, I'm well rested after my trip to Charlottesville. A, a lovely scenic drive. Um, it is a beautiful drive. Uh, a beautiful drive and then uh, really not beautiful basketball once I got there, unfortunately. Yeah. And I mean, look, I am a noted Virginia basketball um, defender, um, but I have always couched it in the caveat that um, that basketball is way more beautiful to watch. And even my friends who are who are Virginia fans agree. Caroline Darney's been on here. She said the same thing. It's much more aesthetically pleasing when they have really good offensive players. And um, they don't as much this year as they have in years past. So it's going to look like it kind of looked, especially in the early goings, when it seemed like neither team was going to score a basket um, for lengthy stretches of time. <laughs> um, but they, they managed to get some, something going in the second half and hit a few three-pointers in North Carolina. I mean, it, so first of all, like, is can you remember seeing a North Carolina team that looked like this offensively? Uh, no. And, I mean, I've been paying attention and watching ACC basketball for as long as I've been able to uh, change the channel. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I know 2010 was bad. That offense ended up ranked uh, 102 in uh, Ken Palm offensive efficiency. But I can't imagine that team is any worse than what this one looks like because it's just so – it's disjointed. Cole Anthony's about the only guy that can create a shot. Um, it just seems like people aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing. The timing's bad. Um, Justin Pierce told us the screens were bad. It's like it goes down to every little thing, and uh, all of that has kind of played a role in what's happening with the offense, where they're unable to get good shots. Um, the good shots that they do get, they're not making right now. Yeah, and it's interesting just pulling up 2010's Ken Palm too. I mean, one thing that I think 
it has it. Well, I think it has some important things in common, actually, with uh, with this team. One in that it was pretty big man centric, um, but the big men they had were not maybe at a stage where they could be super dominant, like Tyler Hansbrough style big men. It was like Deion Thompson, Tyler Zeller, Ed Davis, you know, John Henson, who was trying to play the three at that time, hilariously. Um, you know, they didn't have, they had Marcus Ginyard in a major role, Larry Drew, you know, Will Graves, like Dexter Strickland. That's not a recipe for offensive success. Those are all nice pieces to have, but they didn't have one guy, um, I guess one, one perimeter player, especially that could really, uh, you know, they can really light it up. Carolina has one, like you were saying, but I would argue maybe the pieces around Cole, especially on the perimeter, maybe don't even match up with that 2010 team. No, it, it's, um, it's Cole and basically that's it. And last night, Armando Bacot was saying in the locker room that there's a lot of standing around and watching Cole try to work on offense. And Roy Williams said, we got to get Cole more help. Um, and one of the more interesting quotes of the night is K.H. Clark did a pretty darn good job of guarding Cole Anthony. He had six turnovers, looked really frustrated and took some silly shots at times. But um, he was asked kind of how K.H. Clark did a how. K.H. Clark did defending him, and he said, well, it's tough when you got five dudes trying to guard you. <laughs> so um, that sounded a lot like, well, K.H. Clark did a good job, but also um, eh, maybe none of my teammates were really helping because they were just standing around and letting uh, the rest of the Virginia's team defense to, to stop me. So to me, North Carolina is in a really interesting spot right now because they don't have to me, an offensive identity beyond their usual stuff that they run. But like, to me, they could either do one of two things, right? They could make this a big centric offense, although they don't really have anybody that's all that great at feeding the post. Um, it should be noted. But they sh- they could either have a big centric offense with Baycott and Garrison Brooks, who I think is really coming along nicely. And I think those two are really the bright spot of this team so far. Or they, you know, play cold ball and they maybe go a little small at times. And and do you think that like having the two bigs out there is congesting things a little bit for Cole as well? Um, well, that's part of it, but I think really the biggest thing is that Carolina has been a, unable to spread out the floor in any in any way. I mean, uh, Brandon Robinson has been decent since he got back at shooting the three ball, but uh, as of right now, Carolina currently ranks three uh, hundredth in the nation in three point shooting, so they're only making twenty eight percent. So. I mean, teams aren't really having to play that tight out there on the perimeter on those guys, and they can sag defenders into the paint. And, um, you know, one of the the big things that Roy has been harping on has been the break and uh, getting big men down the floor and trying to attack the post on the break, which draws the defenders into the paint and kind of lets them hit threes and shoot from the perimeter and transition and and really opens things up a lot more like that. So um, it's like, it's, it's a big synergy of disaster right now, I think would be the best way of putting it. Um, There's a lot that goes into it, but yeah, I think, you know, playing the big men is going to be what they're going to do. I don't think they're going to get away from that. And that's probably their best chance of winning right now is because Garrison Brooks, he's a really good passer. He's, he's going to be the smartest guy on the floor every time out there pretty much. And um, he's going to defend really good positional. Yeah. He's a really good defender, really good hedger. I rave about his hedging because I'm a dork. Um, Just a beautiful, beautiful hatcher. And I was sad to hear about the screens because I do think he 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 sets a good screen, but there's probably nobody else in that roster who does. Uh, Brandon Robinson can surprisingly set a decent one considering his size, but his size is an issue. Yes, because um, he's he basically a, a he, he weighs less than me. I think I'm I'm coming in at a hefty 170 right now, and he's listed at 165, which is uh, probably I, not good for somebody yeah. that's like six five. <laughs> 
I'm sure I'm sure a uh, trainer extraordinaire Jonas Serration has done all he can to try to build up those calves. But like, I remember just thinking the first time I saw him play, like his legs were alarmingly skinny and they still kind of are. So um, he's added some bulk, obviously, but like not a whole lot. And he's pretty slight. But so is that is he the answer, though? Like, does he if he gets going, like, do you think that's the missing piece? I mean, it's not going to make them into a juggernaut, certainly. But like there's a there's room, I think, between offensive juggernaut and what we're seeing right now. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, um, he's part of it. Um, you would have to think that uh, Carolina was expecting a little more from Justin Pierce. Of course, you know they were thinking there's that he was going to be able to play a lot more of the three than he's playing. He's having to play a lot of four because of their depth issues there. But um, you know, he was a guy that you expected to spread the floor, and Christian Keeling was a guy you were expecting to spread the floor, and um, that hasn't happened. I'm not even sure if they scored on Sunday between the two of those guys, which is pretty crushing when you get two grad transfers. One guy scored 1,700 points. One's had a great career at William & Mary, and uh, you get zero points between two f- uh, fourth-year guys. That's, that's not going to get it done anywhere. No, you're right that they didn't score, and it's interesting. Like, Pierce, I thought, has... I feel like Pierce has largely been okay, like pretty solid, whereas Keeling has, like you can see, the struggle is visible, you know, um, for yeah, him right now. It's, um, he didn't even take a shot on Sunday, which is just shocking for a guy with his ability to score the basketball. And like, you, you don't score that many points unless you can play the game of basketball, even if it's Charleston Southern. I mean, for a guy like that to come in and not be able to score, something is something's very wrong with either the way he's being used or his confidence. And I think that um, it might be a combination of both of those things right now. Um, I think he's a little more apt to be able to score when he puts the ball on the floor than some of the catch and shoot positions he's been put in. But then again, you know, when he's put the ball on the floor and tried to make plays, he's he's had some issues with turnovers this year. So I can't imagine that his confidence is, is very high right now. And I know that was something that um, guys really were kind of I forget which, which game it was. It might have been Gardner Webb. He passed up a wide open three and the whole whole bench goes with hands on the head, kind of yelling at him to shoot the ball like they want him to shoot. But he, he was not doing it as much as he should have been early in the year. Yeah, no, that, I think that's confidence is a big thing for them right now. And again, there's a there's a wide gulf between like what this offense is currently, which is just not good. And, you know, what I think they can get to. Um it, that you know that doesn't mean that they're going to be the Roy Williams offenses we've seen. I think we've seen enough to know that that's true. Um, the but they can be more competent than they've been. Um, I I I still was stunned. Baycott played that that blew my mind. Like the way his ankle turned. In, how? What? Like, did you get any insight into that? Yeah, actually, I was just transcribing that before we uh, hopped on here. Um, <laughs> it's kind of crazy. He was like gone. He went from last rights to in the lineup somehow like Roy, the quote was 99.9999% that he won't play. Um, he said that on Friday. So the, uh, what is that? 10th, hundred thousandth, hundred thousandth millionth. I don't know. He, he was the one, one millionth or whatever that, that kind of overcame, uh, all of the odds to get out there. And he just said, uh, he put in, I think he said six, seven, eight hours a day, kind of working on his ankle, working with uh, Doug Halverson and Jonas um, to get better, doing workouts and rehab and all that stuff. And um, he said he just he knew his team needed him, and he was back at home in Virginia, and he knew he'd have a ton of family there. So he wanted to get out there and get in the game. It was like 
it was amazing to watch. Like we, we heard just before uh, Carolina took the floor at, at JPJ that he was going to give it a go and came out there and he looked good. And then they had him go, go through some tests. And I'm like, this dude looks like, like nothing happened. It's, uh, it's amazing what, um, I don't know if it's youth or the combination of youth and like all of the technology rehab technology that we have now, because that energy or that injury would have probably taken like a regular person out for a month or two. Yeah, no, it, it definitely seemed like that was, it was a no go. I mean, it was a pretty bad looking injury, but it, it, you know, they, they, they certainly can't afford to not have him at this point. Like they need him to, yeah, they, they, they can't afford to not have anybody, frankly. Like I'm at the point where I feel like Sterling Manley coming back would help. Yeah. I think Sterling Manley could have helped this team because, um, you know, the little bit that we've seen of him so far in his career, he had like, he had some really nice offensive moves around the basket. He had nice touch. He had the ability to score. Um, probably wasn't like the greatest rebounder or defender that Roy would want down there, but he could definitely get buckets. And I think he was going to be a bigger part of this team than people could have imagined. Well, we'll bounce around a little basketball stuff. Um, NC State, look, I don't care how it happened. Like NC State gets the win at Wake and that's, you know, that's all you need to say. Like that's all trust me stay stay fans they they are not but they shouldn't be greedy about that and and they they get it they're not like they they understand that like just to get out of wake with a win is is good enough and you just say it's fine but they they controlled the game mostly throughout and you know i i think that they they're really coming on here it was nice to see them build on the wisconsin win that i know was really significant for them um you know, obviously you want that Georgia Tech game back, especially like with God, what what is going on with Syracuse? I don't understand them at all. Like, do they think we're in the NCAA tournament now? Like all of a sudden they're scoring 90 some points against like a decent team in Georgia. Tech. I don't understand. Um, I was ready to give Syracuse the last rights uh, when they lost by 21 to Penn State. Um, and then. Yeah, I have no idea what they've they've done to fix things, but yeah, it's a team that we were seeing score uh, thirty four points in a game and just look generally awful, like it does at this time of year. And uh, it's I'm not sure what's up with Georgia Tech either because I thought this was going to be their best team, and suddenly it's like uh, I don't know about this. Yeah, you, I feel like like automatically and like no offense because I actually you know snark aside like Josh Passner has done a solid job this year but I feel like that game alone like if you let that Syracuse team put up 97 on you you probably don't you're immediately disqualified um from winning coach of the year so sorry um <laughs> goodbye sir <laughs> sorry for that and you're disqualified Bye. from the yeah. postseason so uh Really, uh, it's, it's going <laughs> to well, be. A, they might a, disqualify themselves at this rate. A tough road to hoe oh. at this point for uh, Georgia Tech, but um. Yeah, I thought they were going to be a little bit better, but they haven't been able to win any of those games aside from the state game, which kind of goes into, um, I don't know, like, somebody texted me yesterday that they don't like playing these ACC games. Like, it's kind of crazy to think that that state Georgia Tech result from November 5th is going to have a bearing on those standings in March. I mean, the, it, it, you could not have a more different team between those two games, probably, if if they were to play again, which is, it's, it's not. You've got that, and then you've got this whole weekend of ACC games, which are basically played on a weekend before these kids go into finals, and then, like, you take a month off again from ACC play, and then you do it all again. I don't l- care for it. I've, <laughs> I know I sound like a grouch. Don't really care. Don't care for it at all, um, but that's what they've decided. I get it. The powers that... We got to sit through all those great... ACC Network commercials. And by the way, that episode is forthcoming with Caroline Darney and I breaking down the ACC Network's uh, plethora of wonderful ads. Have you like gone out and bought any of the products yet or or is that for a later? 
not yet but uh for the ra- like at the radio station uh joe obvious and i are going to do a panic room about it as well and he's he's uh he's our he purchased at least one of those things for his kids um oh, yes so. fantastic i think i'm gonna get a loan from jg wentworth and give that a review see what what's happening because i mean how many people have structured settlements that you could have a commercial for that i mean and need cash now yeah i can't imagine there's that enough for that probably and, and what's funny is like probably fewer than like um than have a cpap machine that needs cleaning um <laughs> which i also felt like it was this really niche ad you know it's like what what okay um and why do we need this like hot woman telling us to clean your cpap machine but it's whatever um <laughs> uh yeah so we're the power of marketing seriously i know um yeah, that so the, those are definitely like notable local ACC games, and then like Duke, you know, Duke having to go to Virginia Tech, they take care of business there. That's been a tricky place for them, but like they, you know, that's they were, you know, they're going into finals too. It's just a crazy time to play these games, and and you know, I, I don't, I don't really get it, but um, and my my Seminoles continuing to look very good. Um, your your boy Lenny Ham getting it back, back together, Lenny. bouncing it back. Don't know how I feel about his like self-aware his newfound self-awareness but i'm gonna allow it <laughs> yeah the uh what he like tweeted like how good he looks for his age or something about yeah that? he did like the 20 2009 versus 2019 challenge yeah so um, so it becomes less endearing yeah, when he's aware a little but i mean I, like i said i'll allow, i'll allow it and he also tweeted out a picture with him with a uh, bunny from the wire and saying like yeah i kind of see the resemblance my god that's fantastic yeah no i one of my great pleasures at media day whenever i did make it i didn't make it this past year is like talking to the florida state players um this doesn't work now because now people don't know what the wire is as readily but like back in the day i remember asking michael snare about it and he was like oh my god yes but like they didn't think about it before <laughs> so it's that's it's a great it's a great like little nice thing i i, I can do from time to time well, <laughs> rather than writing serious content um so yeah that i mean that's I, that's probably all the acc hoops we really need to talk honestly like i, I will say this for carolina before we move on and, f- and frankly for any acc team if you're a fan of a team that you feel like is struggling or even a fan of a team like nc state where you think oh you know we have an opportunity to do something like when you look around the rest of college basketball um you don't see a lot of other um, amazing teams. I mean, I would put what Ohio State's accomplished to date, I would put up there. Louisville certainly looks very good. Um, Kansas, other than that early hiccup against Duke, who, you know, plays really well against good teams. Um, like, I, I don't know that you would look around and go, oh, you know, there's some juggernaut out there ready to, you know, destroy us. You know, y- y- I think you're good in the rest of college basketball. So, yeah. It's not a banner. It's not a banner year. Extremely fired up for March already because we are going to see some shenanigans. Unlike, uh, I mean, we're probably. Well, I don't know. We might see a sixteen over a one, but I think that's kind of a once a decade thing at this point. But we're going to see some serious shenanigans in March, and it's going to be like an eight seed winning the national championship or something ridiculous like that. So that'll be fun. I uh, yeah. I'm kind of feeling that too. Like I haven't, I mean, it's early, but I haven't seen a team yet that I feel like could consistently string together, like that I trust to consistently string together good enough performances, but we'll see. It's early. Um, uh, so not going to do too much um, when it comes to football. Like y'all already know uh, where your team's going, if they're going and really no huge surprises. I don't think um, when it comes to football, like again, the ACC title game was not a surprise. Clemson wins easily. 
Um, and yes, they were still throwing late. Y'all get over it. It's fine. Look, Dabo, Dabo made it clear like they need style points. And I think he's not wrong. So, um, I mean, they were talking. Did you? I don't know if you watched the college football selection show. I didn't watch a ton of it, but I watched some. And they were seriously like the, the chairman of the college football playoff committee guy was saying that they were seriously consi- like they were talking about Georgia at the four spot still. And I was like, what? Yeah, that's absurd. <laughs> Absolutely not. Like, come on. Like y'all need to find you someone who uh, loves you in spite of reaching your full potential as much as the college football playoff committee loves Georgia football because that team was maddening to watch all year and I'm so glad we don't have to watch them in the playoff. Yeah, I, I got on a rant yesterday. Well, not really a rant. I, I wanted to get on a rant. I just kind of half jokingly tweeted about how uh, college football bowl games kind of reflect uh, America's social economic system because uh, big time teams. Oh, I saw yeah, that. I, I had some some triggered boys. Uh, in the uh, in the mentions after that, but um, yeah, it, it's just funny, you know, the the teams with all the money get preferential treatment and everything, and the working class teams like App State uh, get sent to the same crappy spot yet again. Who knew? Where do, where do we see stuff like that happen? Yeah. yeah, it's almost like things aren't always earned. Yeah, it's weird. Uh, I I I was sad for App as well. Like they've had a great season. I really wish for their sake they could have just not done the Georgia Southern thing, but it they, it happened. It is what it is. Um. And yeah, that that sucks. And I, I the brief Belk Bowl tease was super spicy, but didn't last. Um, sadly, man, having them in the Belk Bowl against Virginia Tech or whoever really, um, Wake Forest. I pr- probably wouldn't have played Carolina again there because they've been there, done that this year. But man, that would have been really, really yeah. awesome thing for the state and for that game. So too bad. I know it really sucks. Um, just going through the bulls, um, consulting friend of the pod and previous guest, Joe Giglio's, uh, yellow pad list of bowl matchups, uh, Clemson, Ohio state. I'm kind of sad. We don't get this in the title game, but look, LSU's looked really good recently too. Um, so, you know, but I, I thought all season long, I've kind of thought that's going to be, that's your title game. And, and we get it in the semifinals. So, um, you know, I mean, Clemson did what it needed to do. They weren't going to rise above three. They just had to make sure they didn't drop. They didn't. And um, it'll be a really good game. I'm I'm excited to watch it, honestly. Yeah, that's going to be a lot of fun. The, those two games are going to be excellent this year. I think it's ultimately going to be LSU and Clemson. And um, man, that is going to be really, really awesome to watch again. But um, I'm just happy for little old Clemson I know, overcoming right? the odds and getting themselves into the college football playoff uh, again. It's just, yeah, it's this little engine that could. Yeah. Uh, no, I know. Dabo's, I get, like, I do get where Dabo's coming from. We, uh, Caroline and I talked about this last week. I get it. But, like, yeah, he's, he's, he's maybe, maybe, maybe just uh, inch it back a little bit. And I think he, I think he has now. I, I saw him on the show and he's, you know, he didn't do any of that again. You know, he, but I, I still can't, I mean, look, I'm sorry, but you, when you're talking about Georgia at the four spot still, I think that there's still a conversation, like, he's, then his conversation becomes worth having, right? Because, Again, like I'm sorry, like that's that that team did not deserve to be number four, you know, in the in the football playoff. They just anybody so. that loses to South Carolina, uh, who lost to North Carolina and Appalachian State, cannot be in the college football playoff. Sorry. Well, and it's yeah. I mean, I've I, I've talked about Georgia way too much for like an an ACC podcast, probably, but I just they have way more talent than than they should like they play like they have way less talent than they actually do and like the Saban ball of it all is just something I can't stand <laughs> like old school Saban like 
Saban has adapted now. Like they have explosive offense now, but like it's just Kirby and it, it, this ain't it, dude. Like not this way. Yep. So um, exactly. Yeah. And, and LSU is super fun. So no one can get grouchy about LSU because they're super fun. Um, at least I won't probably uh, about to turn in my national coach of the year vote soon for AP. And that'll probably, he'll probably be my number one spot. Uh, Ed Orgeron. Coach O in the uh, the national spotlight for two weeks, three weeks, whatever it's going to be. Oh, it's just, it's going to be wonderful. gold. It's, it's great. Yeah. Uh, the Orange Bowl. I think Virginia fans have to probably feel a little happy that because I know they were sort of uh, a little nervous about having to get Alabama or Georgia in the Orange Bowl. They don't. They get Florida who I mean, Florida is really good. Don't get me wrong. But like Florida is not those two teams. It's just not. And uh, Virginia. Um, I think has more of a chance of hanging in that game. I don't think they're going to win it, but I think they have more of a chance of like not getting completely steamrolled in that game against Florida than, than they did the other two. So, although Georgia doesn't really steamroll anyone, steamroll was the uh, the the exact word that I was thinking. But um, yeah, I mean, it, it, you get to go to Miami December thirtieth, probably hang around for New Year's Eve, uh, eat a Cuban sandwich, check out the beach. It'll be a good time. Doesn't matter if you win or lose the game. You're in the, you're in the Orange Bowl. Bryce Perkins deserves nice things, and and. Uh, I think he made it out of the uh, Clemson game intact. So uh, hopefully he can send, you know, it's hard to do. Hopefully he can send this guys out on a good note and that'll be fun. Um, Julio included Notre Dame on this list, which I object to, but that's fine. Um, they get camping world in Orlando, uh, Iowa state, whatever. No, Notre Dame's one of those teams this year. I mean, they're, they're almost like Georgia to me where I was just like, what are you and why are we even doing this? Like you're um, not going to beat anyone good. We all know that you're fine. Whatever. Yeah, they're good. They're still like top 15. I mean, I, I think I had them exactly at 15 this week, but like, yeah, they're just, they're nothing to write home about. Yeah. You're the, the mashed potatoes of the ACC. Like you're a good, a nice side dish, but you're not very exciting. It's fine. Yeah. You're, you're instant mashed potatoes. Um, <laughs> Because that's usually what I'm responsible for in my house. Um, you don't make the real ones. What I know. Well, I. I mean, this is. I'm just talking like if we eat a meal at home. Like obviously on Thanksgiving, I'm not rolling up with instant mashed potatoes. Okay. I'm not uh, a monster. I was. I was very concerned about the situation there, and and considering calling child protective services. No. <laughs> Uh, Virginia Tech, Kentucky at the Belk Bowl. Um, I mean, look, to be fair, even with all the app buzz, I was like looking, I was at the mall the other day, which, you know, around Christmas time, big mistake, but I was looking around and I'm seeing all this ACC, SEC, you know, that's how they're billing this. And so it was hard to imagine that if they could, if they couldn't, if, you know, they were going to do what they could to get to of those teams in there. They do Virginia Tech, Kentucky. I think that's definitely an interesting game, especially considering how Virginia Tech ended the season and how Kentucky did. So um that's a winnable game for virginia tech for sure but virginia tech, i don't know virginia tech's the weird like i was gonna say they're like syracuse in basketball in that like they never really are dead um during the course of a season like you always think they're dead and they're not but like in the postseason they don't always acquit themselves all that well so it's really tough to know what to do with that one um besides not watch it um, no offense. No offense to my friends at the Belk Bowl, uh, which you know, RIP Belk Bowl. Yeah, I'm gonna be. Uh, I'm gonna be passing on that one probably. But um, it, it'll be cool if the Hokies become the first team to ever lose by 30 at home to Duke to win a bowl game. I would imagine that that's uh, a pretty pretty exclusive club. Well, it's a lengthy. It's a lengthy list. Yeah, it's a lengthy list of teams to lose by 30 uh, to Duke. Um, yeah, it's not. Um, pinstripe Wake Wake gets the good bowl. Um, I guess that's the good bowl, right? I don't know exactly how this works, but they get Michigan State, um, which, ew. I can't think of two like more stylistically opposed teams than those two, frankly. Wake and Michigan yeah, State. Yeah, that's a, that's an interesting matchup from that perspective. Um, 
I'm not that I'm sad to be going to Military Bowl because I think Annapolis is going to be cool. But Pinstripe is kind of what I'd gotten my hopes up for and, and been hearing that it was going to happen. And um, uh, ultimately, Wake Forest deserved the better bowl game. I will give them that. There's a lot of chat about that online over the past few days. Benevolent capitalism works. You Occasionally. See? <laughs> <laughs> Just saying, like they did, they did actually reward. I was a little surprised, mostly because, and I think we know this about Wake, and this is no offense to like Wake people or the program, but we know that they don't travel great. Um, to bowl games because they're just such a small school and their alumni are so far spread out and everything else. Although that's not the worst place to have a bowl for Wake fans. For yeah, sure, that's so. uh, and they deserve it. They they do deserve it. They do deserve it. Um, and yeah, um, it, it'll be fun. Uh, it's too bad Sage Surratt's out because um, that uh, offense is a heck of a lot of fun. Um, more so when he's involved, but um, it'll be worth watching just for the Jamie Newman mesh points. See if he can uh, carry a mesh point like 10 yards up the field at some point, which I think would revolutionize college football. <laughs> yes. That's the next step, right? In the, in the evolution of that offense. Um, Music City, Nashville. Very, uh, I love this for Louisville because like that's a really cool trip for them to go to Nashville and play in that game. That's a fun bowl. Um, Mississippi State. Um, like Louisville, guys, you guys are a nice story and all, but it would be nice if you could just do like do the league a solid and not um, not lose to another mediocre SEC team. I'm just putting it out. There. Yeah, I think uh, I think that would that would be good for the league, especially with the uh, the current situation where Clemson can't get any respect because everyone thinks the entire league sucks. Which, uh, well, maybe it does in some ways this year. Um, yeah, it hasn't been a good. But year. I, I'm pretty I'm pretty confident in the Cardinals based on Scott Satterfield's history of uh, postseason success. He's uh, he gets them locked in, so I think they're they're going to show up and take care of business in that one. That's good. And yet, to be fair to Louisville, and I have pointed this out on the show before, I know they played Kentucky in like a driving rainstorm and Kentucky as a wide receiver at quarterback. So automatically advantage Kentucky. And I understand that. Um, Tutu Atwell isn't getting like 80 yard touchdowns in a driving rainstorm. So I understand that. Well, it was my understanding from some uh, past history around here that what you'd want to do is throw the ball about 35 times in a hurricane. I mean, rainstorm. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Did I say hurricane? Oh, you know what? Now that I have you, I need. Yeah. Brian Kelly. That's the Brian Kelly special, as it's come to be known. But I have to ask you this. Do you and the uh, Herbert Lawrence fedora as well? But yes, both. Oh, sure. Yes, against Virginia Tech, they both did that. Uh, made those ill-fated decisions to. Uh, that was still like one of Carolina's best defensive perform. Like this is always my rebuttal to like Virginia Tech fans when they act like the weather wasn't like a factor at all. Is I was like, okay, you're right that like y'all would have still won the game. We understand that, but like Carolina also had like their best defensive performance in like a decade. Do you really think that was because like you know they played their lights out defensively? No, it's because it was a mess. Exactly. Um, but y'all played it the right way. Like y'all played it correctly. That's why you won and you would have won anyway um because clearly your coach made better decisions so there's that um (laughs) yeah you know there's a reason uh larry is no longer with us but i did want to ask you about this because we talked about this in the podcast so the first half of the state carolina game i remember them making a big deal about how they didn't they weren't wearing rain cleats did they switch to rain cleats or did they just adjust to the to the conditions Uh, several i don't know if every player did but i know that um javante williams said that he switched cleats at halftime so Okay, that explains a lot because I was sitting here like, 
I was like, this is the worst rain-based coaching decision. Like, I know Mac likes to let them choose, right? I know that he likes to let them choose what they wear and stuff. But like, that's one I feel like Mac should have been like, you know, guys, it's supposed to rain all night. Maybe, maybe we should just wear the rain cleats. I yeah, know. like maybe you, you, maybe you can't wear your Superman costume to to Thanksgiving dinner from from Halloween. Like, maybe just this one time you're gonna have to take it off. So, um, yeah, that worked out. He scored three touchdowns in the third quarter. So I think there, um, that's a fair. Uh, correlation that you get out of that decision right there. Yeah, and and way less slipping around. I mean, you saw like missed tackles based on slipping and like missed, you know, tackles for loss that were essentially like falling down in the back. I mean, it was insane. I was just like, guys, hello. Uh, but yeah, I did have to ask you about that while we had you because I wasn't sure about that. Um, all right, Sun Bowl. Oh boy, Florida State. That coaching search is going great. Um, it is not. Uh, Florida State against her, the fight in Herm Edwards and Arizona State. Uh, um, yeah, or that's, for, I'm already sad. Are Florida State fans going to actually show up for that, or I mean, I can't imagine that anyone wants to go all the way out to El Paso to watch a bad team. Yeah, I, 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 I mean, and also like just based on the Twitter I'm seeing from Florida State people that I follow, like they're already being hit up to like, hey, we need you, we need your money, and it's like, oh, okay, what? You know, like, so they're saving their money probably to donate to uh, the university for whatever it is that they're, that, for whatever it is that they're about to do. Uh, it looks like, is it Norvell? It is Norvell. It has happened. Oh, it's official it now? Okay. Yes. All right. Mike Norvell. That's, I mean, I think that's a good hire, I guess. Um, I think he's a good coach. I don't know if he's a good fit. We're going to find out. I mean, I still think Willie Taggart's a good coach. I just don't think he was a good fit there. Yeah. Um, uh, as we found out. But I did at the time. So Yeah, I, th- I thought it was a great hire. Uh, I mean, you, we always think these things are great hires. But um, Norvell has definitely um, proven. He's got, like, he's got the offense, I think. I think that's part of it. You can't just, like, even if you win at Florida State, you got to do it in the way that Florida State has done it. You can't just show up and like run like a Saban, an old school Saban ball, old school offense, and expect fans to love it. So um, they're going to throw the ball around and they're going to have fun, and it's going to be vintage Florida State football, ideally. Um, but I want to congratulate Norvell as being one of the members of the white guys who got Cornrows uh, Club to break out and do something successful with his life. Um, I'm still waiting. I saw to, that to come I, through on that. Oh, I had I had cornrows for for a couple of days at one point in my life as well, but just not for. Um, it, thankfully, not many photographs exist of this. Um, but yeah, uh, not always the most uh, flattering look um, for us of the uh, Caucasian persuasion. Um, <laughs> you nailed it because yep. a lot of a lot of us has very, have very large a lot of us have very large foreheads too, and that's you know that doesn't always. A lot of a lot of white large forehead was my situation up there. So I think there's like one photo out there, and yeah. uh, it it is under safekeeping. Okay, that's good. Yeah, I'm gonna have to make sure I've burned all of mine. Uh, military bowl, like you said, um, Carolina and Temple. How long has it been since Carolina won a bowl game? Uh, they last won the 2013 bowl uh, Belk Bowl. Um, against Cincinnati, I ah, believe yes. it was. Rutgers? Oh, Cincinnati. That's right. Rutgers uh, destroyed them in the Quick Lane Bowl. Yeah, they, they were very excited to be playing in the Quick Lane Bowl that, that one year and uh, looked like it, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, that. Yeah, Um. this is, you know, I mean, I, I Temple is pretty salty defensively and it's an interesting matchup for sure. Um, I don't, I, Carolina needed to just get here, but I think it's interesting, like going up against an AAC team, I feel like the opponent has sort of made it such that like 
Carolina really needs to like if it were a power five team, you could just say whatever they made the bowl, but it, it would seem like to keep the enthusiasm going. They certainly can't get like blown out or anything. They have to acquit themselves well in this game. I think. Yes. Um, I think that's, that is a key. Um, getting here is awesome for Carolina. Um, I'm not sure exactly how many people I think, I think in the preseason, my idea was best case scenario. They'll find a way to win six. Um, they weren't exactly the six that they won. Yeah, I don't think um, they, they won right. six games <laughs> that too. I wasn't expecting in a lot of ways, but um, yeah, it's, it's a big deal. Um, there's a lot positive happening, especially they're currently 17th in the nation with their recruiting class. Um, third in the ACC. So they're ahead of Florida state right now with their recruiting class. And, We'll we'll see if that changes. Well, and and still and yeah, like Florida State continues to get defections too, yeah. which is oof, so. Um, if they land Trenton Simpson on the 18th, like everyone's kind of expecting them to do, and they go out and win this bowl game, like they they should, they're favored to win by six, and especially if Sam Howell goes out and does something ridiculous, like throws for five touchdown passes or something like that, and. Man, the ex- expectations next season are going to be insane for this team if. Um, if they go out and blow Temple out or something like that. And speaking of the worst case scenario, that gets that gets us to Miami um, in the sh- in the appropriate Miami appropriately is the one that is exiled to Shreveport um, for uh, the Independence Bowl against Louisiana Tech, a team that is certainly capable of beating them. And boy, oh boy, did Manny Manny Diaz had to just like sigh deeply when he saw that opponent because like it's one that Miami fans will not tolerate him losing to but one that they absolutely could yeah um, especially I mean after you lose the FIU um, well yeah that's that's tough you lose the FIU and you lose to Duke to close your season um, that's not great Manny Diaz actually I, I thought he did spend a season at Louisiana Tech in, in 2014 so um I guess I'm not sure if that does that bode well for him and knowing, Hey, we should take these guys seriously. Or does that bode well and uh, for Louisiana tech and kind of having an understanding of what he wants to do. But um, I think the problems in Miami were obviously a lot deeper than we could have ever imagined. And uh, Mark Rick's decision to get out of there and retire uh, is looking like a pretty good one right now. Oh boy. Yeah. That's not great. Um, I don't, I don't like anything about this game for them. I'm sure they won't be fired up and Louisiana Tech will probably beat them and it'll be embarrassing for them. But I mean, again, after you've lost to FIU, like what shame is left? I don't know. Probably nothing. Um, no shame is left. Um, you, you've already sunk low to your lowest point. That's the way I would treat it. Hey, guys, you've already been embarrassed as much as you can be. Like, just just ride this out. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the, uh, <laughs> the, like, the official ACC football highlight tape from 2019. No shame. No shame left. Just play football. <laughs> ACC. Yeah, it's wonderful. Uh, quick lane bowl in Detroit. We got Pitt and Eastern Michigan. Eastern Michigan that I just Googled because I don't know anything about their football season at all. Um, I have no idea like who they've beaten. They're six and six. Like Pitt appropriately, I think, gets the least sexy bowl matchup. Um, and yes, I'm even counting louisiana tech because i ranked them at one point this season like eastern michigan i did not eastern michigan has a win over illinois go figure all right so there's that illinois i really turned it around after that yeah they i'll say uh yeah we had a few close losses mixed in uh oh that's not a close loss never mind Uh, buffalo steamrolled them yeah um this is one of those games that hey pitt just just 
just don't like just just be normal like don't don't be stupid don't do what you do pit like don't go out and wasn't it after the week after that Pitt um, almost beat uh, Penn State or no, no, it was the week after they beat UCF. They went out and almost lost to Delaware. So this, uh, this sets up nicely for Pitt to do something very weird. Um, so just show up and, uh, you know, act normal for a few hours. That's my motto during the holiday. So <laughs> yeah, just like, what's that GIF? It's like, why can't you just be normal? Like that's my GIF for Pitt always just be normal. Like stop doing this. You're embarrassing us in public. Um, okay somehow this escaped me yesterday because i was trying to full disclosure i was trying to like watch i was watching the panthers play because of my deep self-loathing um i watched most of that game against the falcons i'm not proud of it um but by the end it just became kind of funny and so i stuck with it um uh it was i feel bad about i i can't believe i'm admitting that i did that but um i missed some of the bowl announcements for this reason because i went straight to carolina basketball after that which was at four and I somehow completely missed that Boston College is playing in the Birmingham Bowl against a Cincinnati team that's been like ranked most of the year. <laughs> what? Why? Oh yeah! Wow! Oh. I didn't even. I didn't. I've been so wrapped up with what I was doing with um with basketball and stuff last night that I did not even see that matchup. Jesus Christ! January second at three p.m. What a what a time slot for what a game. Oh my God, that is that is so bad. Oh, Boston College, just, and like they just fired Steve Adazio. Like, what are they even get? Oh my God, that speaks to the problems with college football's postseason so much that Cincinnati was potentially on the hook had they knocked off Memphis for going to the Cotton Bowl, and you know, huge exciting game, and instead they get handed a turd sandwich in Birmingham with Boston College. I gotta say, I'm. I, I understand why the bull, like the bold tier affiliations exist and everything else, but like, but also like, why? I don't know. I mean, I guess UNC and Boston College are both six and six, right? But like, why does Cincinnati deserve that game less than Temple? I don't know. I mean, I don't know which one is sexier to play. Maybe you don't want Boston College Temple because like we've seen it, but I. I mean, I, I t- yeah, Cincinnati deserve better. Or maybe some of these bowl affiliations are just making it such that like we're going to be stuck with like these meh power five matchups and the teams that deserve it from the lower team. I mean, to be fair to Louisiana tech, like they probably deserve better than Shreveport, but that's where they're going. Um, at least they get a P five opponent though. I mean, it's always, I do like when the AAC teams and those good teams get P five opponents. So I guess there's that. Yeah. Um, That's the positive is when a Cincinnati gets to show up and just dominate a bad Boston college team. Like they're probably going to, and just say, Hey, um, maybe you guys should respect us a little bit more, but, uh, I would really love to see if, I, and I don't see why it's not possible. If, I mean, if the in revenue sharing agreements and that sort of thing exist, why not just set up a giant bowl rotation among several conferences where you're rotating every year and you share the money equally among everyone? Um, but maybe that's yeah, a little I, bit too much of uh, benevolent. That capitalism, sounds like socialism. But. Yeah, no, that sounds a lot like socialism. I don't know. You just can't have it. Uh, yeah. And I mean, Cincinnati, uh, you know, as a, a poll voter, they've been kind of meh to me the last uh, last few weeks here of the end of the year. But like Boston College, obviously, way more problems than that. So, yeah, you're right. They're probably going to put up however many points they would like to in that game. And it'll be super sad. Boston College shouldn't be even allowed to play in the postseason because they lost to Kansas at home. Dude. I've been saying this. I thought I thought that got you banned. <laughs> I'm so I'm still so angry at them. I like 
I, honestly, I feel like that's what got him fired. Like, um, if I'm their AD, like that's the game that I'm looking at, and I'm just like, sorry, it's inexcusable. Yeah, that's that one's unacceptable. Um, but hey, Marty German is a uh, is a UNCW Seahawk, so he's is a smart he? guy. You got to respect the decision. Yeah, that, that's why he watches Panic Room. Okay, because <laughs> he came up to me at media day and was like. Hey, I watch Panic Room and I'm like, cool. And I like an idiot. I didn't know who he was. I kind of had an idea, but I was like, who is this? And then he introduced himself and I'm like, oh my God, hello. I'm so embarrassed. <laughs> yeah, he's like super. Oh, he's, he's only 39. He's from Fayetteville. Um, so yeah, played uh, basketball at UNCW. Super bright guy. That's what threw me because he looks super young and just like I could tell he was like in athletic administration. I just couldn't tell. Like I was like, huh. And I was like, I know that face. And then, yeah. Um, so yeah, um, that he, he joins an illustrious club that includes, uh, Jeff Capel's wife, um, that watches our panic room videos. So shout out, shout out to her. <laughs> if she's listening to this somehow, um, and to the entire Capel family who I love and we miss around here very much. Um, all right, Brant, I'm going to get you out of here. Um, I guess Carolina doesn't have a whole lot really until they go up to Gonzaga and at least, you know what, if they got anything going for them, at least Gonzaga's deep, they're not going to face another, I think top 10 defense in Ken Palm. I don't think until February, I was looking at that in the rankings and yeah. Um, so they got that going for them. Yeah. If you're looking for a positive, the schedule gets a little bit easier, um, for a little bit and then they kind of get a soft landing with the start of, uh, ACC bass or ACC real conference season here um, shortly when they're going to get what is it? it? It's a ridiculous start. Um, whatever it is, it's someone was very very polite to them in Greensboro with setting up the home schedule uh, in January. Oh, so, oh, um, I see. Yes, yeah. so they do. I mean, like I do think genuinely they have a. Ch- I mean, Gonzaga's not obviously that's that's a team that could score a ton of points. Wofford's going to be tricky. Everything else, but like you know, at least you're you have a chance to potentially regain some confidence if you're Carolina. I'm sure. Roy, Roy will be tweaking some stuff and doing what he can and uh, you have some chance to regain some confidence as you don't uh, you're probably your toughest game you're looking at early on in the season is uh, Jan- I'm, I'm not seeing anything after Gonzaga until whew, what we're looking at like January 22nd <laughs> yeah oh wow yeah, yeah this is they, they this go to is. Tech, that might be a little bit of a challenge yeah that's what I'm looking but, at yeah and, after so after Gonzaga it goes UCLA Yale and then three straight home games against Georgia Tech, Pittsburgh, and Clemson. So and then at Pitt, you right after. Chances and all those at Pitt, and then at Virginia Tech. So um, I think we're going to see what Carolina normally does is kind of hit their stride with ACC play, um, get a little confidence, get better and better, and then we'll really, really have an idea of what's going on around here on twenty on the twenty seventh when they go over to Raleigh and uh, play NC State. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I, at the risk of the dumbness that is the old takes exposed thing, um, like I do still think this team is a tournament team, and I don't think that there's anything to worry about there based on what we've seen so far. But we'll yeah, see. yeah, they've lost to three three top ten teams, three top nine teams right now. So as much as the sky is falling and there are issues and that they got to get worked out, they get, they've lost to some pretty good teams. Yeah, no, I, I'm with you on that. All right. Well, we will get you out of here. Um, enjoy your trip to D.C., not D.C., as I know that was also a point of contention. On not Twitter. To, I am not going to the nation's capital. I am going to Annapolis, Maryland. Don't go anywhere near it, lest you be mocked 
um, for suggesting that you would. <laughs> I thought oh, that was, that was a circuitous route. Circuit. I can't say that word. Circuitous. Circuitous. Yeah. yeah and and like circuitous for, for context. Uh, like Carolina tweeted out that they were going to the nation's capital, and like I understand the reasons to make fun of that, and it's fine. Like it's fine to poke fun at it, but we all know they meant like teams generally stay in dc and do all the bowl stuff in dc um and i know that because our podcast contributor caroline darney uh used to work for the military bowl so she uh i know all the ins and outs um just from chatting with her about that but yeah um all right brett well lest we bore anyone with military bowl uh minutia breakdown (laughs) we'll go ahead and get (laughs) y'all out of here um we're gonna get pretty wacky with the podcast coming up uh but i'll see y'all a little bit later in the week bye Thank you.